Hey everybody, we're out here at beautiful Cleveland State Park in Texas and we are training with our backpacks on because we have a big announcement for you. We want to invite you to join us in supporting Feed the Need, MANA's Hike for Hunger Challenge. Hey Hallmark, man this is going to be exciting. Now you've already, some of you have heard about the MANA hike, uh, you've even watched me, some of you have waved at me on the road when you see me hiking down the street down Crowley Road. And uh, hey, I, here's how you can be involved. Uh, we got several guys from church that are going. Uh, Andrew is going to be on the hike. Keith Matthews is going to join part of the hike. Uh, and even Bruce, yeah I said it, Bruce is going to be part of this, do part of this hike. And so what we want you to do is help us raise money. There's a lot of churches that are going to be involved, but we want Hallmark to be the best, right? We want to support MANA. Uh, we want to be involved in what they're doing. And so we're going to share the links. We're going to explain to you how you can be involved, but maybe consider sponsoring us, maybe all four of us that you're going to give per mile. Uh, maybe you could do a contest. And so help me raise more than Andrew or Bruce or Keith, but be involved. Uh, watch the journey, follow us on social media, pray for us, help us reach another kid and bring them out of poverty. God is good and all the time. Very good. Hey, I wanted to just point out as you watch that video, first let me say thank you for being here. In case you don't know, my name is John and I am blessed uh, to be the pastor of this great church. And uh, so thank you for being with us today if you're new here. If you're not new here, you've probably seen or heard me talk about this Feed the Need. And uh, so we are partnering with MANA Worldwide. And uh, how many of you know what MANA Worldwide is? Would you raise your hand, all right? So most of us do, but some of us uh, don't. And so I want to take an opportunity just for a second to explain what MANA uh, is. And so I would like, uh, Bruce and Pam, would you guys mind just standing for a second where you're at? Uh, everybody can just gawk at them for a second, all right? Let's give Bruce and Pam a hand this morning. And, uh, and uh, Bruce and Pam were missionaries in Japan. Uh, let me back up a little bit. Uh, back a few years back, Bruce got saved here at Hallmark when it was at the other location. And uh, Pam grew up coming to Hallmark at, from when she was a little girl. And, uh, and so they surrendered to be missionaries as members of Hallmark, went off to Bible college, went to Japan for a couple years. Uh, and then they were in the Philippines for almost 20 years serving as missionaries. And in their ministry in the Philippines, God led them to start a feeding center outside of their church, just outside of Metro Manila. God blessed that ministry of getting to feed a lot of really hungry, poor children uh, in, in the Philippines. And so they did it again at another location there in the Philippines. And God again blessed their effort to feed the poor, as he says he would do in his word. And, and then they decided that God was calling them to do this all over the world. And so they came back home to Hallmark and launched Mana Worldwide from here. So if you're familiar at all, there's a little office space right over here, which is where they've been officing for quite a few years now. Uh, but now they are in over 40 different countries, and uh, they uh, have over 200 feeding centers and feed almost 20,000 kids every day. Uh, and so God has blessed. And so this hike is uh, really to raise awareness for hunger all over the world. Uh, kids die every single day from hunger. And so we want to point and draw some awareness to that. And we also want to raise some money to help MANA. They're going to uh, 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 direct this money that we raise 
uh, through this hike uh, towards three different projects. One is a new feeding center in Tijuana, Mexico, uh, a new transitional orphanage in Antigua, Guatemala, and then also their backpack programs here uh, in the country. So you guys can be a part of that. Some of you have already donated. Some of you are not sure how to donate towards that. And so the easiest way really for you to do that is just to go to our website, hbcfw.org. Right there on the homepage, you'll find a link that's going to take you to Mana's Feed the Need hike and how you can give, and you just follow the promptings there on that. Or if you want to give in the offering here, you can do that as well. Just mark it on your offering envelope or on your check, however you give. If it's cash, put it on the envelope there. Just put Feed the Need, okay, and you can give directly towards that. I think right now, uh, they've, uh, we have already raised over $30,000 that people have already given as we've been telling people about this hike. And so I would encourage you to be a part of that. If you've already given, or maybe you're planning on giving, right at the, in the back of the Connection Center, also at the back table right there, there is one of these little journals. It's a 14-day journal. You can kind of track uh, with us. Maybe there's, uh, it's just going to give you a, maybe a physical challenge you could do every day for 14 days or a spiritual challenge. Uh, just a, a reminder, if you want to grab one of these, just, uh, they're free. If you want to grab one, if you've already donated, or maybe you're planning on doing that, just a reminder uh, of our hike. All right, so turn with me to Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter 3. And uh, we are going to continue our series. We started last week, long story short. And I was really in shock this week how many times I heard the word or heard that phrase, long story short short. Um, uh, how many of you heard that? It seemed like way more frequently this week. I mean, I heard it several times. I even heard Tyler Martin use the word twice or this phrase twice in a 30-minute period. And I'll be completely honest, he didn't hold true to long story short. Is Tyler here today? I don't know if they were going to be here. I think they're still in East Texas. But if you don't know Tyler, Tyler grew up here at Hallmark. Uh, they moved in January to Wyoming to start a church plant. And they're actually, this fall, just in a few weeks, and a few months, they're going to be starting that church. It's called Outfitter Church in Bar Nun, Wyoming. You have no idea where that is, so you're going to have to Google that. But Bar Nun, Wyoming, Outfitter Church. And he, this Wednesday night, in our midweek service at 6.30, is going to share a little bit about uh, that ministry and what God has been doing in Bar Nun, Wyoming. And Pastor Dave will have a great message for us on Wednesday night. So if you aren't... Maybe don't normally come on Wednesday night. Maybe it'd be a good opportunity to start coming and, and start a new habit. But long story short, and so we're going to look at five different acts throughout the Bible. Because, you know, especially, how many of you noticed a few weeks ago that I got this new Bible? How many of you are like, this is a, the monster Bible, right? I feel so much more spiritual when I carry this and uh, that kind of thing. All right, I'm, I think we might be on now. Testing one, two. Very good. Thank God I don't have to hold that microphone the whole time. Thank you, and I appreciate our sound team. No one notices the sound team until something messes up, right? But they always do such a great job, and they're here faithfully every week, so I appreciate it. appreciate all of them and their help. Um, but the big Bible, right? And so sometimes maybe you're a new believer, you're kind of new to the church thing, and you're like, where do I even start in the Bible, and what is all of this? And you get into the Old Testament a little bit, and you, you hear like over and over, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and you're like, what am I listening to? What am I reading? And so this is, this, really the goal of this series is to show you that the Bible really can be broken down into five different scenes or five different acts. 
The first one we looked at last week was the act of creation. And we understand that in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created. And so if you weren't able to be here last week, I would encourage you to go onto the website, catch up, and listen to that message. But on your bulletin this morning, there's just a, a real quick summary of last week's message. So let's take a moment to look at that just to maybe catch you up this morning. Act 1, creation. We looked at this last week, and, and in chapter 2, we see over and over each day that God created, we believe in a, a literal six-day creation that God created in six days. On the seventh day, He rested. And you'll notice a phrase, uh, after every day's creation, God spoke into existence, and then He said it was good. And then He spoke into existence on day two, and it was good. And over and over again, and then on day six... He said he created the animals and it was good. And then he created man, Adam and Eve, and he said it was very good. And this idea of good, as you see here in your bulletin, means it brought God pleasure. It was pleasing to him. It brought glory to him to create. And then he gave Adam and Eve the responsibility to procreate because it was good and it brought pleasure. And we are different from all of the creation, we being mankind, because God created us in his image, and he breathed life into us, giving man a soul. And so we think about the fact that we are different from all other creation because we are made in the image of Christ. We are made in the image of God. He created us in his image. And so we looked at the two trees, and we're going to look a little more at those two trees this morning as we look at the word chaos. So a simple definition of the word chaos would be out of order. Does anyone notice anything chaotic about your bulletin this morning? Anybody noticed it? All right. It doesn't actually say chaos, does it? All right. So how many of you actually noticed our proofreaders? All right. Very good. Give yourself a little golf clap this morning. Proud of you. I know you're proud of yourself that you caught that. So chaos out of order. It's not in its proper place. It's not in its proper order. And so we think about last week, we mentioned the two trees that were mentioned in Genesis chapter number two. There was a tree of life, and that tree represented relationship. It represented that God was in control. It was making a statement. So as I chose, as Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of life, it was a representation that God's in control. God's number one. He's my authority. And God told them not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then death would surely come. You shall surely die is what he said. And this tree would represent then separation. It would represent a loss of relationship. It would represent the opposite of uh, the tree of life. God's in control and God's my authority. And I'm choosing to live under the authority of God. Whereas the other tree would now represent I'm choosing to live my, under, my own authority. I'm number one, not God. Can I just explain for a moment that that philosophy, that way of thinking is completely infiltrated our way of thinking in our context, in our culture? How many times, and don't raise your hand, how many times have you heard or thought or seen this statement? And even sometimes, like this week, I actually saw a similar statement to this on Facebook, and I thought, oh yeah, that's a great statement. And then I thought, no, 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 it's absolutely a terrible statement that you got to make yourself happy. And you gotta, you got to do whatever it is to make yourself happy. How many of you, again, we're not going to raise your hands, have heard that statement, read that statement, thought that statement, initially thought, yeah, I, I do. Because nobody's going to take care of me except who? Me. 
And you see that that, that philosophy, that thought, is doing exactly what Adam and Eve did. They're going to take care of themselves. My goal is not to live for myself. But isn't that the philosophy? Like right now, I feel the tension in the room. Some of you are like, wait, I don't know that I agree with this. Because we've been trained to believe that we take care of ourselves and let everyone else take care of themselves, right? Take care of me first. It's, it's even, uh, you know, we could even justify it because if you fly in a plane, what do they say to do? Put your mask on first and then take care of someone else. And obviously in that context, that's probably what you should do. But what, it's, what that philosophy is teaching us is that I'm going to live for one person. I'm going to live to please one person. I'm going to live under my authority. I'm going to live under the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to be just like Adam and Eve, and I'm going to choose to do things my way. When God created us on purpose, for a purpose, the only way that we're going to fulfill the purpose God created for us is that we stop living for ourselves and us as number one, and we start saying, God is number one, God is my authority, and I'm going to live not to please myself, I'm going to live to please God. Because God is the only, listen, God is most concerned with your holiness, not your happiness. And here's why. Because God understands that if you pursue holiness, and you pursue Him, and you put yourself under His authority, the happiness follows. And when we get them out of order and we chase happiness, we live only to please ourselves. then we get neither. Okay? We get neither. And, and so that's that was a longer summary than I was intending for last week. Genesis chapter 3, chapter 1. At Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, we're going to talk about uh, chaos or coas, depending on what you look on your bulletin, all right? Question, all right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read the first five verses to begin. Now the serpent was more cunning than the, any beast of the field. And I'm not sure what that means. Okay, the serpent was more cunning than the other animals. And he says, and he said to the woman. Here's where the Bible kind of gets like, this is one of those points where you question what? And, and the serpent, the snake, said, he spoke to the woman. How many of you, uh, if you see a snake, are going to run? How many of you, if, if a snake starts talking to you, you're going to run even faster, right? Like, I don't have, maybe the reason a snake's never talked to me is because I've never stayed around long enough to talk to them, okay? I'm out. But the serpent speaks and, and speaks to Eve and says, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? That's, listen, that's not what he even said. But Satan, it's very subtle here. Satan, this is the same tool, this is the same way he deceives us today. Satan begins this, this conversation with Eve, trying to get Eve to doubt what God actually said. Okay, and you're going to see this pattern. It happens over and over again. And, and the truth is, every one of us in the room this morning, we have fallen for the exact same deception. That, that Satan will get us to doubt first, and then let's keep reading. And this is another weird part, verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, like she spoke back. I don't get it, I don't understand it, but, but that's what happened. And she says, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but, so she corrects him, but then she says, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, if you look in Genesis chapter 2, you're not going to see that God said, don't touch it. I'm not sure exactly why she added that, but she adds that. God says, don't touch it, you shall surely die. Verse number 4, then the serpent talks back to her. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So you see the transition here from the earlier verse of Satan trying to get 
E to doubt the goodness of God. Now she, she, Satan is taking the next step, a step farther to deny the command of God. Surely, no, he did not say you shall surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So on your outline this morning, chaos comes, things get out of order when we question the goodness of God. When we question the goodness of God. This morning, if you were in Connect Group at 9.30 this morning, you heard about King Solomon. And King Solomon there in Ecclesiastes, he, he, he sought to, to, well, really to live under this tree of self-pleasure. Whatever I can do for myself, if it's money, if it's, if it's any kind of activity that I want to enjoy, if it's money, if it's women. He, he, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that King Solomon withheld nothing from him. He was trying to see. He, he was on this experiment. Can I find happiness and purpose in the things of the world? And he had the resources to do whatever he wanted, however he wanted, whenever he wanted. And we learned in Connect Group this morning that what he realized in this you know, experiment to seek pleasure and purpose and meaning through what the world has to offer, living under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what he realized is what he said is all is vanity. It's like chasing the wind. But just like Eve, we, we fall into the same trap that we begin to doubt the goodness of God. Ben talked about this for a moment this morning already about the job and carrying out the trash. How many of you thought of the worst job you ever had this morning when he was talking about that? How many of you would like to share the worst job you ever had this morning? I have so many stories I'd like to tell you, but I won't. But in those moments, isn't it easy when, when life is just kind of chaotic isn't it, in those moments, easy to question the goodness of God? Well, if God, if you were so good, why? God, if you really loved me, how come? And if you love me, you know, here's a great statement. And it's on your bulletin this morning. Sin offers an immediate reward. Sin offers an immediate reward in exchange for a permanent one. You see, sin always promises something better than God. Sin always promises something it can't deliver. Sin always, and that's what Scripture says, that in, there is a season for a, a short period of time, there is pleasure in sin for a season. And Eve traded an immediate reward for a permanent reward. And she did that because she questioned the goodness of God. She began to doubt the goodness of God, which led her to deny the commands of God and, and ultimately to disobey. We all face this, don't we? You know, for years, I, I always wanted a truck, a nice truck. And uh, years ago, um, when I lived here, it's, it's a long story, I won't tell it, but somehow I ended up buying this, this 1987 Ford Ranger, and it was a piece of junk, uh, just to be honest. I paid like maybe 500 bucks for it. But I'll be honest, I, I loved it. I loved having a truck. It's the nicest truck I'd ever had. Uh, it was this old beat-up Ford Ranger, uh, you know, with the old jump seats in the back, and the kids were little, and they loved to ride it. It was just, you know, heaven on earth, right? And then the only other truck I owned uh, up until recently was uh, a missionary who, who lived in Amsterdam, bought this old truck. It was older than the 1987. I can't remember what it was. It was this little white pickup. It was a, 
You know, it was so old that it had the classic plates, and I got to drive it and store it for him while they were missionaries in Amsterdam. And I'll be honest, I loved the truck. It was awesome. I always wanted a truck. Never had a truck except for, you know, this old beat-up truck. Now I moved to Texas, back to Texas, and I, I bought this 2008 F-150. And I'll be honest, sometimes I think that I worship this truck, right? Without fail, I almost always wash that truck on Saturday just because it needs to be cleaned, right? Can I get an amen? Okay, my kids think I'm crazy, but it's just the way it is. In fact, you ever had one of those weeks where your week got totally messed up and your days are all off? I washed that thing on Friday thinking it was Saturday. Anyways, I don't know why I'm telling you that. About two weeks ago, I got into a newer F-150 four-door pickup. And you know what I started thinking? I need this one. That 2008, I mean, it's nice, but wow, this one is really nice. You realize comparison always leads and always robs us of contentment. Comparison always robs us of contentment. And when we begin to question the goodness of God, so Eve is the first person in the history of the world to suffer from what we now know as FOMO, the fear of missing out. That's what Satan got her to think. You see, well, let's keep reading verse number six. Well, let's read verse 5 again. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing the good and evil. God's withholding something from you. God is not trusting you. You can't trust God because there, there, it's going to be better for you if you eat it. God knows that if you eat it, then what does she do? So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, I mean, look at the justification here. It was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate it. And let's just pause for a moment this morning. This is a very troubling verse for me. Because for years, I never, it was never pointed out to me, this one phrase, that she gave to her husband, and what does it say? With her. So this time that they're having the conversation, the serpent and Eve are having this conversation, and, and the serpent is trying to get her to doubt the goodness of God and trying to deny what God has actually said, trying to get her to disobey. What is Adam doing? Where is Adam? Apparently, Adam is right there with her. What's interesting, if you go back and look in chapter 2, when God commanded that they should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he had not created Eve yet. So who do you suppose he's giving this command to? Adam. It was Adam's responsibility to protect his wife. It was Adam's responsibility to tell her, you are being deceived. Get away, Satan. Get away, serpent. And he failed his wife. He failed to protect her. He he failed to instruct and help and guide her. It's almost as if Adam was sitting there waiting, wondering, well, I'll see what happens when she eats it. And let's just, again, we're just kind of pausing this message for a moment. Men, since that moment, men have been tempted to do the exact same thing, to be passive and to not lead our wives well and not to lead our families well. 
God has given you the responsibility as the man of your home to lead your wife and to lead your kids. And just like Adam, many of us are passive. Let's just see what happens. Well, I'll get off of that and keep going, all right? Verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And, and understand this, knowing that they were naked, is, it brings with us the understanding of fear and of shame. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Last week we talked about the creation and that God created us, and, and the reason he created us is that he wanted us to live in love, to walk in love and holiness with him. And up until this point of the story, Everything was perfect. Everything was great. And, and Adam and Eve walked with, in love and in holiness with God, their creator. And at this very moment, when they both decided to eat of the fruit, they both made a choice to, to disobey the command of God. All of humanity, the world, went from walking in love and holiness with the creator. Now the world would be ruled by fear and by shame. Instantly. You see, chaos always brings with it fear and shame. When we sin, when we live in sin, and we continue in sin, it always brings fear and shame. Prior to sin, their nakedness before God was only a sign of their intimacy with God. That there was no barrier between them in this relationship. That there was no shame, there was no fear. Everything was perfect, and they lived in perfect relationship with their Creator as God intended it. And when they walked over and they ate of the fruit of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they were saying is, God, we don't trust your goodness. God, we don't trust your authority. We think we can control it better. We think there's something you're, you're keeping from us. And they ate of the fruit. Instantly, now fear and shame entered the world. Verse number 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid, himself, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now, this is one of the most absurd pictures you can think of. God who spoke the world into existence, the God, the creator of all things, the God who sees all things, who knows all things, who is omnipresent. He comes rustling through the trees. And Adam and Eve are like, here's the sad part. Because the day before this, when, when the rustling of the trees came and the, the presence of God was, was felt and, and present with them, guess where they went? To the tree of life and relationship and God's provision and God's protection. And because of sin... When what had happened before yesterday, instead of running to the tree to meet their creator, it says they went and hid in the trees. It gives me the picture of, you know parents when your kids were little, they would hide behind the curtains with their feet sticking out like this, and the curtains only covering this part of them. What did you do? I know what I did. I'm guessing you did the same thing. You, you know, you count the ten. You're like, well, where's Blake? Where's Blair? And you like, you see him right there. And they're laughing, right? And they're doing this. That's, that's kind of how absurd Adam and Eve 
had to look to God. As sin entered the world and chaos now ensued, it brought with it fear and shame. They're hiding from God. And here's the sad part. Number two there, chaos brings fear and shame, which will cause us to hide from God. The unfortunate part of this story is that the one person, the one person that could help them, the one person that could bring it back into relation, back into fellowship was God. And the one person that could do something about it was the one person they hid from. And here's what we have to understand this morning, that some of us do this exact same thing right now. We talked about last week about sometimes how we, we push our way and, and push everyone else away we, because of we want to live in isolation because people have hurt us and we want to walk alone. We want to do it our own and understand that this fear and this shame that leads us. I've seen it over and over again in church where, where people who were once faithful and, and, and they've messed up and they've done something they shouldn't have done. And slowly they take a step out of church and out of relationships. And the one place where they, they, they should be able to find grace and mercy is in the church. And maybe this is, this is a, a black eye for some of us who've done that, but maybe also, let's, let's be transparent this morning, that maybe this could be a black eye to a lot of churches as well, that the reason people walk away from church is because sometimes churches, well, have not given grace and mercy. And instead of opening our hands and welcoming people back that have messed up, you know what the church has done a lot of times? Yeah, look what you did. And we get this judgy Christian spirit, don't we? But, well, let me, I should qualify that. It's not a Christian spirit. It's hidden under this Christian spirit of how good we are. But let's be really transparent. There's nobody in this room that hasn't messed up since last Sunday. Probably nobody in this room that hasn't messed up since you woke up your eyes this morning. But in this case, what, what do we see? God comes to them and they hide. Let's, let's read the, this conversation. Verse number nine. The Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? It's kind of like, you know, you playing hide-and-seek with your kids. So he said, this is Adam speaking, I heard the voice in the garden. And here's the sad part. This is what chaos brings. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The relationship where he walked in love and holiness with God was now broken. And now he would walk in fear and shame because of the chaos, because of his sin. God questions him again. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Did God already know the answer to this question? Yeah, it, it reminded me of when, when uh, Blair, our, our youngest, was younger. And um, you, you guys, parents have done this. You all, most always you know when they did something wrong, especially when they're little. They're not very good at hiding it. So, Blair wants to go outside and play. I, I think that was what she was wanting to do. And I said, well, did you finish your, your sandwich? 
and I'm sitting in the living room. She's sitting at the bar, and I can see she has not finished her sandwich. And she's like, yes, Daddy, I finished my sandwich. And I'm like, are you sure you finished your sandwich? Yes. And then I see her get up and go around the other side of the bar, and I'm, you know, all I can see is her pigtails bouncing up and down. And I see the pantry door opening, which, guess what's in the pantry? the trash can, and then I see the door shut, and then I hear the plate go back on the kitchen counter, and I said, Blair, are you sure that you ate your whole sandwich? Yeah, Dad, I ate my whole sandwich. She comes back running around, and I'm like, what a liar, you know, and I'm like, so I said, Blair, hold on a second. Are you sure you ate the whole sandwich as I'm now walking to the pantry? And I, as I've got my my hand on the handle of the pantry. Blair, are you sure you ate your sandwich? Yes, Daddy. And I open up the door. And the look on her face when she saw her sandwich sitting right there. Busting. You see, I, I gave her multiple chances to confess. And this seems to be what God is doing with Adam. Adam... Did you guys eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? And what does Adam say? So, verse uh, 12. Then the man, Adam, said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me out of the tree and I ate. What, what, is, what does Adam say? She did it. It's her fault. The blame game. Don't we still play the blame game? Why are you in debt? You probably just played the blame game in your mind. I mean, we could, I could call out a lot of things. And you're just like me. You can, you can justify why or how come. But we're... When you really dig into what Adam has said, he's not just blaming Eve. Who's he actually blaming? This woman that you gave me. I didn't ask for her. And we laugh, and, and it's funny. But the sad reality is that we, we are still stuck in that pattern. And God gives him a chance to repent. And he doesn't do anything but blame someone else. I can't help but think, I said this last week, Amos chapter 4. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Let's keep reading verse number 12. Uh, excuse me, let's go to verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, after Adam blames Eve, then God says, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So Adam points to Eve, and who does Eve point to? And who is she also blaming? God. The serpent you created, he deceived me. It's not my fault. But let's, let's get a picture of who God is. So number three there on your outline. Uh, chaos brings fear and shame, which will cause us to hide from God because we have a distorted view of God. So we're like Adam and Eve, and we sin, and we mess up, and we make a mistake. And sometimes, many times, what we do, instead of running towards Him in repentance, we, we run away from Him and hide. 
as if we could hide from him. Here's the picture of God, that God comes to them just like he did the day before in the garden, in the coolness of the day, and he comes to them, and he pursues them, he's seeking them, and he wants to restore the relationship. And the rest of the Bible is going to tell the story of redemption. It's what we just sang about. The story of redemption is written on his hands. And Jesus pursues us. God pursues us. And many times the reason that you are running from God is because The chaos that ensued because of your sin brought fear and shame and guilt and hurt. And you're scared that God is just waiting to slap you across the face because of you messed up. And can I tell you right now, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful to what? Forgive us. And so while you're hiding from God and and trying to cover up your sin and pretend like it didn't happen or play the blame game, what, what we need to do when we mess up and we sin is simply turn back to God and say, yeah, Dad, I, I threw my sandwich away. See, grace and mercy cannot come until we admit, until we say, yeah, I, I did it. I messed up. You see, what, what we try to cover up, God will always uncover. But what we uncover before God, God will always cover. So maybe today you're, you're running from God. You're hiding from God like Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and the word, the Bible simply teaches us about God is God is pursuing you. God loves you. You see, what drew God to go down to the garden is the same thing that drove Jesus to the cross. It's the fact that he loves you. And he's pursuing you. Do you want proof of that this morning? The proof of that this morning is that you're here to hear this message. Or or maybe you're listening online. The proof that God is pursuing you is the fact that you're hearing it today. And so maybe this morning, some of you in here today, you, you, you don't know, you, you never had a relationship with God. And, and can I encourage you that the reason that you're here this morning is to hear that God loves you so much that even though we're all sinners and our sin separates us from a holy, righteous God, and because we are sinners, we can't walk in love and holiness with God, yet he pursued us, he sent Jesus down the cross so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And all we have to do is confess that Jesus is Lord. In a moment, we're going to stand up and we're going to sing a song of of response, how deep the Father's love is for us. And and if you've never experienced the love of God, can I encourage you with everything I am this morning, there's going to be several of us down here, men and women, we're going to be facing you. And what I would encourage you to do this morning, if you want to experience the love of God and enter into a relationship with God, your creator, who is pursuing you, who sent his son to die on the cross for you, then I would encourage you when we stand in a moment to walk down here, shake somebody's hand and say, I want Jesus. We would love to show you how to do that. The majority of us in the room this morning, though, probably have already made that decision. And I can't help but think this morning that as often as this subject keeps coming up over the last six, seven, eight weeks, that some of us in the room are potentially right now doing exactly what Adam and Eve did, and they're hiding in the trees, covering up what they've done. 
And instead of confessing, we're blaming. Well, God, if, if you would have done this, then we're, we're not trusting the goodness of God. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? And I want to encourage you this morning, if, if you've never entered into relationship with God, He loves you. He's not angry at you. He's not gotten the whole list ready to just give you the right act. Romans says, God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, that's us, that Christ died for us. He proved that he loved you by dying on the cross for your sins. And if, if this morning you've never experienced that, again, I would ask you when we stand to walk down here, shake somebody's hands. There'll be men and there'll be women down here. Shake someone's hand and say, I need Jesus. But maybe this morning you're, you're still hiding from God. And can I just, I hope you understand this morning how foolish that is, that you can't hide your sin from God. And the point of hiding your sin from God is, is actually doing the exact opposite of what you need. God cannot give you grace and mercy until you turn back to him and say, God, I, I, I'm sorry, I repent, I need forgiveness. I want to stop eating from the tree of my dependency, that I'm in authority, that I'm in control. And I want to place myself back under the authority of God in every area of my life. Would you stand with me this morning as I pray? God, I thank you for the opportunity this morning for us to have an opportunity this morning to hear your word, that you love us, that you pursue us, that you desire for us to confess, to repent, and that you are a loving God, faithful, ready to forgive, ready to extend mercy and love. And I pray this morning if there's someone in this building this morning that has never entered in a relationship with you, that today the, the pull of the Holy Spirit on their life right now would be so strong that they would walk down the aisle, they would shake someone's hand and say, God, I want Jesus. May we as a church repent, confess, and bring ourselves back under your authority in the precious and holy and powerful name of Jesus that we pray. I would ask you this morning, we're going to sing a wonderful song of worship. If you just want to come and see God and pray, the altar is open. If you'd like someone to pray with you, we'll be standing up here. We'd love to pray with you this morning. But let's worship together this morning. This song, this song I'm going to be honest, almost every time when I, when I sing this song, it, it hurts me. There's a line in the song that says, when I hear my mocking voice. And what this song is trying to get us to understand is the reason that Jesus hung on the cross, the reason he came to die, the reason he suffered was because we have made the choice to go stand under this tree and say, we got things under control. We're going to do it our way. And it was, it was my sin, it was my choice that placed him on that tree. And I pray this morning as we worship that as you sing the song, the words of this song, the gravity of the cross 
how deep the Father's love for you that you'll you'll begin to grasp that this morning. Let's worship together.